Part One of *The Happy Unfortunate*. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Phil Chenevere. This story was first published in *Amazing Stories* of December of 1957. *The Happy Unfortunates* by Robert Silverberg. Part One. Rolf Decker stared incredulously at the slim, handsome young Earther who was approaching the steps of Rolf's tumbling-down Spacertown shack. He's got no ears, Rolf noted in unbelief. After five years in space, Rolf had come home to a strangely altered world, and he found it hard to accept. Another Earther appeared. This one was about the same size, and gave the same impression of fragility. This one had ears, all right, and a pair of gleaming two-inch horns on his forehead as well. I'll be eternally roasted, Rolf thought. Now I've seen everything. Both Earthers were dressed in neat, gold-inlaid green tunics costumes which looked terribly out of place amid the filth of Spacertown, and their hair was dyed a light green to match. He had been scrutinizing them for several moments before they became aware of him. They both spotted him at once, and the one with no ears turned to his companion and whispered something. Rolf, leaning forward, strained to hear. Beautiful, isn't he? That's the biggest one I've seen. Come over here, won't you? the horned one called in a soft, gentle voice, which contrasted oddly with the raucous bellowing Rolf had been accustomed to hearing in space. We'd like to talk to you. Just then, Canaday emerged from the door of the shack and limped down to the staircase. Hey, Rolf, he called, leave those things alone. Let me find out what they want first, huh? Can't be any good, whatever it is, Canaday growled. Tell them to get out of here before I throw them back to wherever they came from, and make it fast. The two Earthers looked at each other uneasily. Rolf walked toward them. He doesn't like Earthers, that's all, Rolf explained. But he won't do anything but yell. Canaday spat in disgust, turned, and limped back inside the shack. I didn't know you were wearing horns, Rolf said. The earther flushed. New style, he said. Very expensive. Oh, Rolf said. I'm new here. I just got back. Five years in space. When I left, you people looked all alike. Now you wear horns. It's the new trend, said the earless one. We're individs. When you left, the conforms were in power style-wise. But the new surgeons can do almost anything, you see. The shadow of a frown crossed Rolf's face. Anything? Almost. They can't transform an Earther into a Spacer, and they don't think they ever will. Or vice versa? Rolf asked. They sniggered. What Spacer would want to become an Earther? Who would give up that life out in the stars? Rolf said nothing. 
He kicked at the heap of litter in the filthy street. What spacer indeed, he thought. He suddenly realized that the two little earthers were staring up at him as if he were some sort of beast. He probably weighed as much as both of them, he knew, and at six-four he was better than a foot taller. They looked like children next to him, like toys. The savage blast of acceleration would snap their flimsy bodies like toothpicks. "'What places have you been to?' the earless one asked. Two years on Mars, one on Venus, one in the belt, one on Neptune,' Rolf recited. "'I didn't like Neptune. It was the best in the belt, just our one ship prospecting. We made a pile on Circes, enough to buy out. I shot half of it on Neptune. Still have plenty left, but I don't know what I can do with it.' He didn't add that he had come home puzzled wondering why he was a spacer instead of an earther, condemned to live in filthy spacer town when Yawk was just across the river. They were looking at his shabby clothes, at the dirty brownstone hovel he lived in, an antique of a house four or five centuries old. "'You mean you're rich?' the earther said. "'Sure,' Rolf said. "'Every spacer is. So what? What can I spend it on?' My money's banked on Mars and Venus. Thanks to the law, I can't legally get it to Earth. So I live in Spacertown. "'Have you ever seen an Earther city?' the earless one asked, looking around at the quiet streets of Spacertown with big, powerful men sitting idly in front of every house. "'I used to live in York, Ralph said. "'My grandmother was an Earther. She brought me up there.' I haven't been back there since I left for space. They forced me out of Yawk, he thought. I'm not part of their species, not one of them. The two Earthers exchanged glances. Can we interest you in a suggestion? They drew in their breath as if they expected to be knocked sprawling. Canaday appeared at the door of the shack again. Rolf, hey, you turning into an Earther? Get rid of them two cuties before there's trouble." Ralph turned and saw a little knot of spacers standing on the other side of the street, watching him curiously. He glared at them. "'I'll do whatever I damn well please,' he shouted across. He turned back to the two Earthers. "'Now, what is it you want?' "'I'm giving a party next week,' the earless one said. "'I'd like you to come.' We'd like to get the spacer's slant on life. Party? Rolf repeated. You mean dancing and games and stuff like that? You'll enjoy it, the earther said coaxingly, and we'd all love to have a real spacer there. When is it? A week. I have ten days left of my leave. All right, he said. I'll come. He accepted the earther's card, looked at it mechanically, saw the name, Cal Quinton, and pocketed it. Sure, he said, I'll be there. The earthers moved toward their little jet car, smiling gratefully. As Rolf crossed the street, the other spacers greeted him with cold, puzzled stares. Canaday was almost as tall as Rolf, and even uglier. Rolf's eyebrows were bold and heavy. 
Canaday's thick, contorted, bushy clumps of hair. Canaday's nose had been broken long before in some barroom brawl. His cheekbones bulged. His face was strong and hard. More important, his left foot was twisted and gnarled beyond hope of redemption by the most skillful surgeon. He had been crippled in a jet explosion three years before, and was of no use to the space lines any more. They had pensioned him off. Part of the deal was the dilapidated old house in Spacertown, which he operated as a boarding-house for transient spacers. "'What do you want to do that for?' Kennedy asked. "'Haven't those Earthers pushed you around enough, so you have to go dance at one of their wild parties?' "'Leave me alone,' Ralph muttered. "'You like this filth you live in? Spacertown is just a ghetto, that's all. The Earthers have pushed you right into the muck. You're not even a human being to them, just some sort of trained ape. And now you're going to go and entertain them. I thought you had brains, Ralph.' "'Shut up!' He dashed his glass against the table. It bounced off and dropped to the floor where it shattered. Canaday's girl, Laney, entered the room at the sound of the crash. She was tall and powerful-looking, with straight black hair and the strong cheekbones that characterized the spacers. Immediately she stooped and began shoveling up the broken glass. "'That wasn't smart, Rolf,' she said. "'That'll cost you half a credit. Wasn't worth it, was it?' Ralph laid the coin on the edge of the table. "'Tell your pal to shut up, then. If he doesn't stop icing me, I'll fix his other foot for him, and you can buy him a dolly.' She looked from one to the other. "'What's bothering you two now?' "'A couple of Earthers were here this morning,' Kennedy said, slumming. They took a fancy to our young friend here and invited him to one of their parties. He accepted. He what? Don't go, Ralph. You're crazy to go. Why am I crazy? He tried to control his voice. Why should we keep ourselves apart from the Earthers? Why shouldn't the two races get together? She put down her tray and sat next to him. They're more than two races, she said patiently. Earther and Spacer are two different species, Rolf carefully, genetically separated. They're small and weak. We're big and powerful. You've been bred for going to space. They're the cast-offs, the ones who were too weak to go. The line between the two groups is too strong to break. And they treat us like dirt, like animals, Kennedy said. But they're the dirt. They're the ones who couldn't make it. Don't go to the party, Laney said. They just want to make fun of you. Look at the big ape, they'll say. Rolf stood up. You don't understand. Neither of you does. I'm part Earther, Rolf said. My grandmother on my mother's side. She raised me as an Earther. She wanted me to be an Earther. But I kept getting bigger and uglier all the time. She took me to a plastic surgeon once, figuring he could make me look like an Earther. 
He was a little man. I don't know what he looked like to start with, but some other surgeon had made him clean-cut and straight-nosed and thin-lipped like all the other earthers. I was bigger than he was, twice as big, and I was only fifteen. He looked at me and felt my bones and measured me. Healthy little ape, those were the words he used. He told my grandmother I'd get bigger and bigger, that no amount of surgery could make me small and handsome, that I was only fit for space and didn't belong in York. So I left for space the next morning. I see, Laney said quietly. I didn't say goodbye. I just left. There was no place for me in York. I couldn't pass myself off as an Earther any more. But I'd like to go back and see what the old life was like, now that I know what it's like to be on the other side for a while. It'll hurt when you find out, Rolf. I'll take that chance, but I want to go. Maybe my grandmother will be there. The surgeons made her young and pretty again every few years. She looked like my sister when I left." Laney nodded her head. There's no point arguing with him, Kennedy. He has to go back there and find out, so let him alone. Rolf smiled. Thanks for understanding. He took out Quentin's card and turned it over and over in his hand. Rolf went to Yawk on foot, dressed in his best clothes, with his face as clean as it had been in some years. Spacertown was just across the river from Yawk and the bridges spanning the river were bright and gleaming in the mid-afternoon sun. The bombs had landed on Yawk during the long-forgotten war, but somehow they had spared the sprawling borough across the river. And so Yawk had been completely rebuilt, once the radioactivity had been purged from the land, while what was now Spacertown consisted mostly of buildings that dated back to the twentieth century. Yawk had been the world's greatest seaport, now it was the world's greatest spaceport. The sky was thick with incoming and outgoing liners. The passengers on the ship usually stayed at York, which had become an even greater metropolis than it had been before the bomb. The crew crossed the river to Spacertown, where they could find their own kind. York and Spacertown were like two separate planets. There were three bridges spanning the river, but most of the time they went unused, except by spacemen going back home, or by spacemen going to the spaceport for embarkation. There was no regular transportation between the two cities. To get from Spacertown to York, you could borrow a jet car or you could walk. Rolf walked. He enjoyed the trip. I'm going back home he thought as he paced along the gleaming arc of the bridge, dressed in his Sunday best. He remembered the days of his own childhood, his parentless childhood. His earliest memory was of a fight at the age of six or so. He had stood off what seemed like half the neighborhood, ending the battle by picking up an older bully much feared by everyone, and heaving him over a fence. When he told his grandmother about the way he had won the fight, she cried for an hour and never told him why. But they never picked on him again, 
though he knew the other boys had jeered at him behind his back as he grew bigger and bigger over the years. Ape, they called him. Ape. But never to his face. He approached the yawk end of the bridge. A guard was waiting there, an earther guard, small and frail, but with a sturdy-looking blaster at his hip. Going back, Spacer? Rolf started. How did the guard know? And then he realized that all the guard meant was, are you going back to your ship? No, no, I'm going to a party. Cal Quinton's house. Tell me another, Spacer. The guard's voice was light and derisive. A swift poke in the ribs would break him in half, Rolf thought. I'm serious. Quinton invited me. Here's his card. If this is a joke, it'll mean trouble. But go ahead. I'll take your word for it. Rolf marched on past the guard, almost nonchalantly. He looked at the address on the card. 12406 Kinman Road. He rooted around in his fading memory of York but he found the details had blurred under the impact of five years of Mars and Venus and the Belt and Neptune. He did not know where Kenman Road was. The glowing street signs were not much help either. One said 287th Street, and the other said 72nd Avenue. Kenman Road might be anywhere. He walked on a block or two. The streets were antiseptically clean and he had a feeling that his boots, which had lately trod in Spacertown, were leaving dirt marks along the street. He did not look back to see. He looked at his wrist cron. It was getting late, and Kenman Road might be anywhere. He turned into a busy thoroughfare, conscious that he was attracting attention. The streets here were crowded with little people who barely reached his chest. They were all about the same height and most of them looked alike. A few had had radical surgical alterations, and every one of these was different. One had a unicorn-like horn, another an extra eye which cunningly resembled his real ones. The earthers were looking at him furtively, as they would at a tiger or an elephant strolling down a main street. "'Where are you going, Spacer?' said a voice from the middle of the street. Ralph's first impulse was to snarl out a curse and keep moving, but he realized that the question was a good one, and one whose answer he was trying to find out for himself. He turned. Another policeman stood on the edge of the walkway. "'Are you lost?' The policeman was short and delicate-looking. Ralph produced his card. The policeman studied it. "'What business do you have with Quentin?' Just tell me how to get there, Rolf said. I'm in a hurry. The policeman backed up a step. All right, take it easy. He pointed to a kiosk. Take the subcar here. There's a stop at Kinman Road. You can find your way from there. I'd rather walk it, Rolf said. He did not want to have to stand the strain of riding in a subcar with a bunch of curious staring earthers. Fine with me, the policeman said. It's about two hundred blocks to the north. Got a good pair of legs? Never mind, Rolf said. I'll take the subcar. End of Part One